This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The founder of this company, 10 years ago, was trying to sell his house. He's, you know, he's kind of an important guy. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are people that listen to this show. They are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Welcome back. And today on the docket, oh, look what we have. We have an enormous case of Civic Circus Maximus. The Boston Globe turns into the onion for its Sunday edition. Don't know what that is? Doesn't matter. It's a perfectly easy Well, no, it's not. It's not easy at all. It's a perfectly understandable, but not at all easy, question of Civics Circus Maximus. And guess what? It's Judge You presiding. Veritas. Welcome back, TGIM. I am Jay Severin. We are the Blaze Radio Network. Thanks for choosing us. one 888 and by that I mean you and me, one 888 Use it or literally lose it. one 888 via Twitter at J-A-Y underscore Severin. Now, now. Oh, by the way, it's National Pet Day. It's National Pet Day. So you can expect uh, to see in your inbox any moment silly photos of me taken by my dogs. Uh, I thought I thought I heard them creep in while I was asleep and, you know, in the in the bathroom and stuff like that. So we're going to have a pet turnaround here on National Pet Day. So. Welcome to the Court of Truth. Oh, yay, oh, yay. All persons having business before the Court of Truth, and that had better mean you, draw nigh, draw nigh, and ye shall be heard at one 888 I'd give anything away with my, uh, wasn't exactly a hint or anything in my opening, but It wasn't the biggest political development in the Civic Circus Maximus since we were together Friday. But it was perhaps the most colorful and one that's really fun to argue if you choose to. If there is an argument, if anyone is on the other side, whatever that is because you don't yet know what I mean by the other side. Just to bring you up to speed on the facts, uh, because this is not exactly something everybody you know, knew, like the sunrise this morning. 
the the sentinel the sentinel the the chapel of jehornalism question mark or not of jehornalism the boston globe certainly as they've treated me uh, they are the temple of jehornalism certainly as regards truth when it comes to their dealings with me and with many other stories they are the temple the sentinel of jehornalism is the boston globe on the other hand they also have done a lot of courageous excellent important work like for instance the courageous groundbreaking work they did on the investigation of uh, the Catholic Church in Boston and the uh, abuse of kids by priests. Very difficult story to do if you're located in America's most Catholic city and everyone you know is Roman Catholic and probably a realer Roman Catholic than most Roman Catholics around America, if you forgive me the presumption of making that observation or expressing that opinion, uh, my my opinion, personal opinion, and almost everyone is connected with the church, and God knows, pun intended, the church is connected to everything that happens in and around Boston and uh, a lot of Massachusetts. So they've also done fine brilliant, courageous work. I just haven't been on, I've just been on the dirt end of the stick. Yesterday, the Boston Sunday, the Sunday Boston Globe had a section, a prominent section of the Sunday paper, the front page of which, and it was a wraparound because it's a broadsheet. It's a big paper, right? The Boston Globe. So it's a great big, great big uh, Sunday paper. And one of their most prominent sections, the most widely read sections in the, in the newspaper, was essentially the onion, only really nasty. Now, I don't regularly read the onion. In fact, I may have read it twice since it existed. But I get what it is. It's satire. And it's the news presented satirically. And it's just, you know, real enough that if you didn't know what it was, you'd have to ask yourself, wait a second, is this for real? If you know it's the onion, you know it ain't. But if you didn't know it was the onion, if you mixed in half a dozen onion stories and half a dozen stories from the New York Times... It would be hard to match them up against their origins. You know, really. That's how how the good they are at the satire. Yesterday, the Sunday Boston Globe turned itself into the onion by having one of its most widely read sections have its front page present the news as they believe the news of America and the world will be one year from yesterday, if Trump is elected. So what they did was present the front page of the paper as they believe, maybe not really truly, but kind of close to really truly, believe 
America and the world, because of us, will look. All because of Donald Trump, if he gets elected. It had headlines like, Jobs disappear, employment plummets, mass deportations continue, wars in Middle East flare up. Uh, you know, it, every major issue you could think of where things have gone horribly wrong because Trump, a combination of a monster and an idiot, didn't know what he was doing. And every editorial, there have been either four or six so far by the Boston Globe, written about Trump, making him a cross between Satan and, oh, Satan. Okay? Between, you know, the rain man without the math skills and Satan. Okay. Yesterday, they created this entire wrap of this section that was, here's what we're going to look like in a year. And then on the next page, because this was their editorial section, on the next page they had their op-ed pieces, and it all led with their, again, fourth or sixth, I lost count, uh, I've lost count, uh, editorial, not op-ed, not written by somebody else, the editorial of the newspaper, which presented Trump as a cross between uh, a blithering imbecile and the devil. So there's no no mistake that the people who brought you the you know this this faux front page you know, about where they stand in real life. They just wanted to make sure they had the waterfront covered, and they sure did. Now this is a new kind of editorial. No one recalls ever seeing anything like this done before in at least what used to be a major newspaper. And they're still a major newspaper in that they're the major newspaper of a major city in the Northeast, which by definition makes them a major newspaper. But they're a shadow of their shadow of, of their former selves. But that gets into another matter. And I really, this question is not a matter of uh, my opinion of them or, or even yours, really. But it's a cosmic question of the civics circus maximus and I put it to you. Yesterday, the Boston Globe did something outrageous. They said Donald Trump is a moron. Donald Trump is a monster. Donald Trump is going to get us all killed and everybody else in the bargain. And America's going down the toilet. And this is what it's going to look and sound like. And a lot of people who read the Boston Globe read that page and maybe never realized it was satire or it took them a long time to realize it was satire or they knew it was satire, but they agreed with it. But it was an outrageous, uh, literally now an outrageous and extraordinary thing for a major newspaper to do uh, as an editorial comment. So if you know this story, great. If you don't know it, you know it now. Here is my question to you. It'll either hang or we'll settle it. We'll settle this hash if it's settleable. Here is the question. What's the complaint? Jay Severin. On the Blaze Radio Network. 
the founder of this company 10 years ago was trying to sell his house. He's, you know, he's kind of an important guy. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are people that listen to this show. They are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. Real Estate Agents, I trust.com. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. One triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. I am the best and brightest because I am here with you. I'm Jay Severin. We are the Blaze Radio Network. Now, I leave the question to you. I put and leave the question to you and invite you, especially if you have a complaint. What's your complaint? All I've heard from other conservatives is uh, what I would respectfully and affectionately point out to them is a misjudgment on their part. And that is, I'm not hearing a complaint. I'm hearing lots of complaining, but I'm not hearing a complaint. That is to say, what did the Boston Globe do wrong? And by wrong, I mean something that, and this is the other half of it, what's the remedy? What's the complaint? What's the remedy? What did they do that should not be allowed? And what would you be in favor of doing to stop them from doing it again? Yesterday, the Boston Globe used its newspaper to create a a faux, phony, but, you know, satirical, I mean, a biting. If If you like Trump and or you don't like the liberal media, and you see this thing from yesterday, and you can Google it, you know, you're going to bleed from the eyes. I did. I do. But I bleed from the eyes because I got punched by another boxer. Not because the other boxer jumped me in the alleyway and hit me with a brick. What's my complaint? What what did the Boston Globe do that is illicit or illegitimate? Nothing. Therefore, what is the remedy to what they did yesterday? What if they do it every day? What if they do it on the front page of their newspaper, the real front page of the newspaper, not a section, but page 1A? And they do it to every Republican candidate every day. So what? What's the complaint? And without a complaint, there cannot possibly be a remedy. That is to say, there cannot possibly be, logically, any way to tell them to stop. Stop what? What did they do wrong? They didn't do anything I like. I dislike it. I dislike it a lot. But 
Did they do something I think ought to be stopped? Do you? Anybody who wishes to, court is open. It will remain open until 5 o'clock Eastern. What is the complaint? What is the remedy? I'd take the first without the second, but I can't take the second without the first. Have to have a complaint before we have anything else. one 888 All right, this has to make our first half hour, so let me make sure it does. As I understand it, the current director of the CIA, this would be troubling, pretty much, uh, almost as troubling, were it any recent director of the CIA. But as I understand it, the current director of the CIA has, quote, rejected again using waterboarding under any circumstances, even if ordered to do so by the President of the United States, the Commander-in-Chief, or needless to say, you know, any commanding officers. They will not obey that order. And the discussion went on to include the assertion that, you know, flag rank officers would not issue that order and that soldiers and sailors and Marines and airmen would not comply with the order if issued because it would not be a lawful order and therefore they would not be bound to obey an unlawful command waterboarding now i won't don't need to get into this whole thing happy to but you know we waterboard in seer training which which is uh search evasion and rescue it's you, you know better than i but in seer or seers training we waterboard our special forces nobody who serves in the in the top the elite special forces of our military has not been waterboarded. So I I think that kind of answers the question whether it's deadly. Not that it not that it can't be. It's, it's pro, could could be depending on how it's administered. But that it is automatically a death sentence is answered by the fact that all of our guys have been waterboarded as training. So if it happens to them, they know what it's like. And they understand that 99% of waterboarding is to get you to believe that you're going to die. And once you have been waterboarded several times, and we found this, by the way, ran into a problem. The Al-Qaeda that we waterboarded, and we did, and we did get results that saved American lives, maybe tens of thousands of them. So it worked on most people. It does work on most people. Because anybody connected vaguely with or conversant in any way with military, intelligence, anything like that, uh, and my dad was, uh, which is how I come by the fairly common intelligence that every person has a breaking point. That it's, it's widely known. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a belief shared by 99.9% of people 
in intelligence that everyone has a breaking point. That breaking point varies widely. What induces it varies widely. Some people break in 10 seconds. Some people break before you touch them. Some people don't break for days or even weeks. Waterboarding may or may not be the thing that causes them to break, but um, it is it torture? Well, that's a larger, it seems to be almost philosophical question. If something administered to you but you don't die and there's no permanent physical damage, is that torture? In any case, that's what the CIA says about it. Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. And you are my partners on The Blaze. So, and I know that we don't hear a lot from Ted supporters, and as I lamented last week, you know you'll get a fair shake. I'm not for him. But, you know, I I would sure like to have a fun argument, not a fight, but an argument. That's what we're here for. 1-888-900-3393. Anyway, according to... According to Trump, Ted Cruz stole delegates this weekend. And I'll tell you, Ted's a good burglar. He's a good thief because he spanked Trump this weekend. What Trump didn't even know until last night was that there were three or four states that were wrangling delegates yesterday. And Cruz went in and stole them all especially in Colorado, where he stole them all. Ted stole Colorado, stole in quotation marks. Ted Cruz stole Colorado and a whole bunch of other states and the delegates with them. And where was Trump's big wheel convention advisor, his delegate manager? Well, he was on Meet the Press in Washington yesterday morning saying Ted Cruz is using Gestapo tactics. What? Ted Cruz is using Gestapo tactics. So the Trump campaign now defines Gestapo tactics, and we do need to stop for a moment. Like I realize we're talking to a generation or two here who did not, grow up under the sort of second-generation shadow of World War II. Meaning it wasn't my grandfather who fought in World War II. It was my father. Uh, And almost Korea, too, but just not quite. But I don't need to tell that story again right now. Uh, And I realize we have in the audience people whose grandfathers and mothers fought in Vietnam. So... Uh, need to remember that's not an automatic, but Gestapo means the Nazis, it means Hitler, it means genocide, it means Hitler may not have been the biggest human monster ever on earth. It might have been Vlad the Impaler. We don't know because we don't have, we can't go to the videotape on this. 
But we can go to the videotape on Hitler. And he is the greatest monster validated and known that we can prove killed and is otherwise responsible for the deaths of probably 15 million people. Half of them by genocide. So Gestapo tactics are when the Gestapo kicked your door in at 3 a.m. and did unspeakable things to children and women in front of the fathers and then stabbed them or shot them or left them there to die. Or, if you were lucky, they were only there to kick your door down and take you away to a concentration camp where you died a horrible death. Not, not to, you know... Not, not that I want everyone to get overly joyous and happy here on a, you know, I, I don't want you to get giddy here on the Happy Monday show, but, you know, Gestapo tactics? Clearly someone using that term, that terminology, that word, someone trying to introduce into our political system the notion on a network, on the oldest network television show for civics, that exists in the world, meet the press on NBC. For a man who is employed by the leading candidate of one of the two major American political parties, for go on, look, I make my living with words, and I am bombastic. I admit. But I don't call people Nazis. There are certain lines, even for radio talk show hosts. For this guy to go on Meet the Press and accuse Ted Cruz of using Gestapo tactics, we have to stop right there and just consider what that is all about and whether a person like that has any place whether that kind of thing has any place in American politics. Now, beyond that, it almost seems ridiculous to answer the second question, but it's not ridiculous. It's necessary. And that is, okay, I think we all agree that he used really unacceptable terms that are ludicrous and ugly and almost comical, were they not tragic, that someone used, what what happened yesterday? Well, Ted Cruz went and he went to Colorado and he got delegates we wanted. And what would you call that, sir? I'd say that's Gestapo. Okay. Putting aside the ludicrousness of that statement on its face, now let's come to the matter of veritas, of truth. Whether or not it's true, how, putting aside what, what terminology he used, Did Ted Cruz steal anything? And again, I'm for Ted. I said, just full disclosure. Did did Ted steal anything? Did did Ted do anything illicit? Anything wrong? No. What he did was show up. What he did was be smarter than Trump. What he did was organize a campaign with less money, but long in advance to do this. I happen to know that the Cruz people have been meeting with the Colorado State Republican Party 
the people who pick the delegates, have been meeting with them for more than a year, more than a year to plan what happened yesterday. That is to say, to woo and win the hand of delegates from Colorado. Donald Trump didn't know about it until yesterday. I mean, does, so Ted stole something? No, Donald. You screwed up. Trump understands a lot of things. I, I mean, I, I don't know what they are, but I'm going to take for granted that someone who turned a family inheritance of a mere $200 million into a lot more must be smart in some areas. So I'll grant you that. But what he doesn't understand is the business in which he's now engaged. He doesn't understand, for instance, the delegate or the convention system, which is going to be life and death to his, I won't say his candidacy, right? Because there's another outlet for that. We'll talk about that in a minute. But it's life and death to whether he gets the Republican nomination. I mean, Trump is certainly proving one thing. He's an outsider. Because outsiders don't know anything about politics. And that's what is so supposedly appealing about them. But on this show at the beginning of last week, I proffered a little sermonette about, you know how people say, you know, a lot of the same people who say they love outsiders because they hate insiders, they they hate politicians, they hate political strategists, are kind of the same people or, no, I'm going to take that back. Not same people, but it's the same rationale as, as people who say flatly, oh, lawyers, I hate lawyers. Hate lawyers. Okay. Hey, you're free to hate lawyers. But as I said uh, last, I think it was Tuesday, you may hate lawyers, but don't ever go into a courtroom in America as the defendant without a good one. And that's what Trump is doing. He may hate the system. He may hate political strategists. And he just hired one of the most expensive ones in the United States. But that's okay. It's not my money and it's not my opinion that matters. It's his. It's his money. But before you hire a guy going on Meet the Press to say your opponent is using Nazi tactics on your opponent, you better know what you don't know. You better learn that about which you are ignorant. And Donald Trump is ignorant of the delegate and convention system, which, I mean, if Ty and I were going to a lacrosse tournament this weekend, at some point I would probably turn to Ty and say, hey, Ty, you ever play lacrosse? I mean, just, you know, or if he invited me, he might wonder at some point, hey, Jay, did you ever play this game? You know, you know the rules? And at some point, Trump has been able so far on the, the perforce of his personal charm and reputation, right, to win everything he's won. And he's done a good job of that. But, you know, politics, and this goes back about a month or maybe two on this show. Remember when Guru Jay say, no organism in the history of human biology or any biology 
ever since we were all like little mudworms. No organism, since we were all little paramecii, no organism in the history of organisms ever permitted or failed to struggle against its own death. And the Republican Party, we, we've talked about a bumper sticker. Mine is no Democrat. And that from that derives everything else I do, think, say, act, everything. I know my bumper sticker, and I hope you know yours. You know what the Republican National Committee's bumper sticker says? Republican National Committee. This is Jay Febron on the Blaze Radio Network. With my partners, and we're about to speak to one right now. And uh, Donald Trump, last time you heard him say anything, the video they're playing right now is this most recent speech, which is apparently yesterday, although he may have given one this morning in Albany, New York. I'm going to bet he is saying the same thing as yesterday. That is, the system is rigged. Well, the law is rigged. I'm not talking about I'm not talking about political law. I'm talking about the law. If you go out on the street and you steal a car or you shoot someone or someone breaks into your house or cheats you or hurts you, you begin a part, you enter the legal system which is absolutely rigged if you want to use that word. It has a set of rules and if you don't know them, you have a fool for a client. Donald Trump is acting pro se right now, which is Latin for and legal terminology for representing myself, Your Honor, pro se. And you know what that guarantees? It guarantees two things. It guarantees you have an idiot for a client, and it guarantees the outcome. Devin from Pennsylvania, thank you for your patience. Hey, Jay, how are you? I'm well, thanks. Yeah, I just want to talk about a little bit about how Trump thinks uh, this whole thing's uh, Ted Cruz is rigging this whole thing. The truth is that if anyone, if the insiders don't want someone in, it's Ted Cruz, not and instead of Trump. They would much rather have Trump instead of Cruz because they will not get anything done if Cruz is the nominee. Right, and that that's that and, becomes a very important opinion, Devin, because whatever they're planning to use against Trump, if indeed they are between now and at the convention, there are two schools of the most major school of thought there is, uh, and then that is school of thought A. They'll they'll settle behind Cruz. School of thought B, they'll turn around and instantly do to Cruz what they did to Trump. That's exactly what's going to happen. Because deep down inside, they might say, oh, you know, Lindsey Graham or whoever might say, oh, I guess I can get behind Cruz. That's a complete lie. There's no way that they're going to get behind Ted Cruz. No way. I agree. My impression as of this moment, my opinion is that this is all part of a triage unit. This is the emergency room, the political emergency room. And right now they're tending to the wound, which is bleeding the most. They got to get that fixed. Then they'll go to the next one. 
Yeah, they, and yes, and the, and, the, and the gauze they think they're going to apply to the body will continue the metaphor. The political body politic, which is in triage in the emergency room, uh, they think that the medicine they're going to apply to this poor guy who's been stabbed and shot is Jeb Bush or Paul Ryan, a bandage known as Paul yeah. Ryan or John Kasich. Yeah. Take, take it doesn't any, look good for any this one patient. Of them. You know, either one of them. It doesn't have to be Paul Ryan. Jeb Bush will be just as happy or John Kasich. Either one of those two, they're going to be just fine with over Trump or Cruz. You know? I agree. They'll, 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 yeah. Anybody they're talking about will lose to Clinton. I haven't changed oh, my... Absolutely. I promise you to change my opinion, tell you I've changed my opinion that Hillary's going to be the next president, which I've held she for is. many years. I, I haven't changed and, that yet. And the same I want desperately to. Keep on going on. Oh, I know. Me too. But the same agenda yeah, yeah. that Obama had... A lot of people think that Obama is so unsuccessful. He's the most successful president, honestly, ever. He has accomplished everything. I was everything thinking about that the other day. Uh, Devin, when I run into out. people who say to me, Oh, Obama, he hasn't done anything, I'd say, Oh, my <laughs> He's goodness. He's done everything. If, if only you everything. were right. If only you were right. If only Obama had done nothing, then we yes. wouldn't be in such desperate straits. You are right. He That's- did everything, everything he wanted to do he wanted to transform the country he pretty much has we can now call it the titanic for now the jay severin show only on the blaze radio network someone just wrote and said i hope you notice that the moron is ahead of the smart guy in all of the polls. Polls. Well, I wrote back and said, and delegates too. He is. And I wouldn't call Trump a moron. I'm precise with language. If you have any idea, though, what we do call someone who is relying for his fate on a system of which he has the understanding of a dull five-year-old, do let me know. Excelsior! Geez, this is troubling. The <clears throat> the person who wrote and said the moron is ahead of the genius in the polls is his the handle is satire writer. I guess he's on holiday. One triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. I'm Jay Severin. You are the best and brightest. We are together, the Blaze Radio Network. So according to Trump, and I'm you know hearing the updates here at the top of the hour break, absolutely uh, Ted Cruz stole all these delegates this weekend. It's a funny thing that Cruz representatives were meeting with these people a year ago, regularly. This is whole for a year, getting ready for yesterday. And I checked. This was not top secret. Anyone could know this stuff. And in fact, 
anyone engaged in the business of, say, oh, running for president, you know, would know. You would think maybe people who hire people, who advise people who are, I don't know, say, running for president would know this stuff. The cruise people knew it. How come? How come is because you can run as an outsider and you can be, you know, an outsider. But you have to know the rules. I, I, this will be a this will be a kind of a stupid uh, example, but it's the first one that occurs to me. Let's say you can hit a baseball like nobody's ever hit a baseball, and maybe catch and throw a baseball like nobody else. You're unbelievable. Your natural skills, your instinctive skills in hitting a pitched baseball, which is the toughest single thing to do in professional sport, in my opinion and in the opinion, I think, of most knowledgeable sporting people, that the, diff- the, the degree of difficulty in hitting a pitched, professionally pitched baseball is consistently the most difficult thing to do uh, in, in professional, in any sport. Let's say, though, you were, let's say, though, you could get a hit uh, at a rate such that you would bat 888. No one's ever done it, of course. Someone did half of that once. His name was Ted Williams. But let's say someone could bat 888. Now, of course, they hadn't done it yet. I'm just saying, on a, we, we know this. You have to take for the cause of the hypothetical here, for the hypo. Assume, assume the facts, okay? So assume that this person's an 888 hitter and has all these other skills, monster skills as a baseball player. Okay, here's here's the asterisk. He gets up to the plate in his first game and he steps in the batter's box and he's... Uh, he doesn't wait for his pitch. He just hits the first pitch and bangs it off the center field wall, you know, six inches beneath the, the home run out of the park, right? He, see, he hits a frozen rope, a line drive. He hits it right off the, the center field wall, and then he promptly stands there because no one told him what happens after he hits the ball. Now, he's going to hit that ball out of a 100 times at bat, out of a 1,000 times at bat. He's going to hit that ball there 888 times. He's phenomenal. But no one ever told him what you do then. So he hits the ball because he's, he's a natural. He hits that line drive, and then he stands there, and the umpire says, run, run. And the kid looks at him and says, why? Where? Just run, run, run to the base. And they go, oh, okay. That's what those are. And he promptly takes off like a gazelle up the third baseline. He runs for third base. And they throw him out at first. He's not really an 888 hitter. He just has an, an unnatural ability to do something or some things connected with the game. But he's not a player because he doesn't play the game. 
Now, we don't know yet whether my overblown hypo here applies fairly or not to Trump. But I think you could see where I'm coming from here. I'm willing to, you know, only a fool would contend that Trump doesn't have some very uh, unnaturally extraordinary political skills, native, instinctive political skills. He does. He does. But when he hits the ball, and he's hit the ball every time it's been pitched to him, so far, since he's become, uh, uh, since he entered the league, he hits the ball every time. He just doesn't know that you then have to drop the bat and run to a base, and which base it is. And he doesn't know the rules of the game. When, 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 when the rare ball he can't catch up to bounces off the wall above his head or the ball goes a little faster than he does and he picks it up, he picks it up and people are cheering and he turns around and smiles and throws the ball into the stands to reward the ball, uh, the people who are cheering. And they all screamed at him, you imbecile, throw the ball to second base. Throw the ball to the cutoff, man. He throws the ball into the stands because he almost made the most phenomenal catch of the season, but he doesn't know what to do with the ball. We're getting into that phase of the election. I forgive my clumsy hypothetical. We're, we're now entering. No, we're there. We're in that stage of this process right now. It's not enough to give a great speech, to know what turns people on, to get them cheering. This is a ball game, and Trump knows exactly what to do, including hitting the ball, but then he doesn't know what to do. Now, he's apparently hiring coaches to teach him that and to do those things for him that they can do. He's hired the equivalent of a conditioning coach, you know, and a batting instructor, hitting instructor, all that. But one way or the other, you, you have to know that you run and to which base. Trump doesn't. And so all the natural instincts in the world are not going to make you a valuable player and you're not going to win uh, until you learn those basic rules or, or in this case, at least, you're lucky. You don't have to do them. You can hire people, but you see... You can't be so much of an outsider that you detest and abhor all these politicians that you say, no, I refuse to listen to anyone else. I know what the people want. I know how to please the people. I know how to turn the people on. I give great speech. And he does. Well, not great speech. He's, he's practically illiterate. He's practically incoherent. In, and I would say, in my view, to be somewhat humble, but it's not in my view. I've made something of a study of the people who speak well in my lifetime and before my life. And Donald Trump is the single most incoherent, popular, non-politician politician. politician. Um, Just the dumbest bag of rocks up on the stage I have ever heard. But he is ahead in the polls. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network.
Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. I would like my partners to finish this thought so we can move not so much on from it, but move to the next level. What's Trump doing? What's he doing? See, he's really angry about this. He thinks the game is rigged. All that you're seeing when he says that, look at the video tonight. The only thing that Trump is doing, it's exactly the same thing as someone who walks out of a courtroom. Especially if they decided, I'm going to represent myself. Because it makes perfect sense. I don't need a lawyer. I'm just going to go in there. I'm going to go into divorce court, family court. I'm going to go into small claims court. I'm going to go into, you know, it's cut and simple, plain, plain dried. I'm just going to go in there. I don't need a lawyer. Don't be silly. I mean, is he going to go in there and explain to the judge exactly what happened? And that'll be it. I don't need, you know, I don't need a lawyer. It's ridiculous. I spend money on a lawyer. Well, here's what happened. I'm going to explain it. That'll be it. And you go in there and you never speak. Wait, I could I shut up, sit down, or I'll hold you in contempt. But another utterance out of you, and you're going to jail. Do you understand me? Yes, Judge. Case is over. You lost. You never got to speak. Why? You didn't know the rules. And by the way, you were right. You were right. You were in the right. And if you could have made people understand the story as it happened, you would have won. But you couldn't because it's rigged, quote, unquote, unquote, unquote. It's played by rules. You have to know to run to first base and when. I have the Gestapo coming for you. Now, will Trump's anger cause him? Is he fueling the fire for himself and his supporters to walk and to run independent? That's a question. Is that what he's doing? It's an honest question because I don't know the answer. I have a lot of different answers, but I don't know the answer. Or is he perhaps wisely building up his delegate morale? Now, what do I mean by that? I mean, he now appreciates a little bit about this. He knows he needs his delegates. And so he does get something by standing up and fighting because the thing that he's angry about, they're angry about Not exactly. It's just that they're angry. Everybody who supports Trump is angry. I'm angry. I understand they're angry. And it doesn't exactly matter what Trump is angry about. He's just angry. They're angry, too. That's why they love him. He's angry. So is he showing people by complaining like this? Does Trump really know that it's not rigged? Does Trump really know that Ted isn't using Nazi tactics? (laughs) Does he really understand that the reason he, he got this snot beaten out of him this weekend and his his pocket picked was because he didn't know the rules and the other guys did, but he just now the best thing to do is, get, is stand up and make everybody angry about it so that he can say to his delegates, I'm there for you. Don't worry. They're never going to pee on us ever. I'm going to fight back. I'm going to punch back 10 times harder all the time. Now, and that would be a wise thing to do politically this is how i made my living so i I, so donald would be smart to do that maybe that's what he's doing maybe he's blindly angry and he has no such intention and he's just gonna 
either quit and go live in Fiji or he's going to run as an independent. But I'll tell you what he is doing, no matter what else. And it may be an unavoidable part of this process for Donald Trump and maybe Donald Trump only. What Trump is doing is alienating his most ardent supporters, alienating them from the system, from the party, from the process, from ever reconciling and getting behind another candidate. Donald Trump is, in effect, ruining them for anyone other than him. I mean, think of it this way. It's like uh, a girl who got to date me. The poor thing is just ruined forever for any other man. And, and uh, no, so you know what? Well, Trump is doing this, but blood is expensive, as the Godfather said. Blood is expensive. And Trump is drawing a lot of blood in what he's doing right now. He, he, he is alienating, every, he's, he's alienating 60% or something, 50% of prospective Republican, or at least anti-Hillary voters. He's alienating them from the process. And if he walks or quits or runs independent or tells them this is rigged, stay home, I fear that half of them are going to do whatever he says. Remember, these guys are not Republicans. They're Trump supporters. They have all in the past been Republicans. They may still, to a degree, think of themselves as Republicans or former Republicans or perhaps prospective Republicans or perhaps hurt Republicans who are willing to rejoin the movement and they're certainly not Democrats, but principally, first and foremost, when you consider what motivates them, it is not the Republican flag behind which they are marching. It is the Trump flag. They are the current evolution of the Tea Party. As Guru Jay say many moons ago, this is the current form of in large part, the current evolution of the Tea Party. And that rhymes with T, and that stands for Trump. T, we wondered what T meant. It might might be T-E-A, like they threw in the harbor, or it might be T like Trump. And I'll tell you what it is right now. It's T that stands for Trump. They're not Republicans. They're Trump supporters. And so, unlike all the other times when they... We, I, got over it, didn't get my guy, and finally reconciled myself to back the guy chosen that wasn't my guy. Th- that may not happen this time. That really, really may not happen this time. And if that happens, or fails to, uh, Hillary Clinton is president. We're We're cooked. We're screwed. We're finished. This is the most important presidential election, not just of our lifetimes. I wish it were only that important. This is 
almost demonstrably, surely the most important presidential election since we've been doing them. And I think that's the nature and magnitude of what's at stake here. And uh, note well, nota bene, we must also consider and ask ourselves whether the threat of a Trump rogue run really anymore frightens the RNC. Does a rogue run really hold the gun to the head of the Republican leadership anymore? That threat that it once was to the RNC? Don't forget, if you support Trump, your bumper sticker is Donald Trump. Your bumper sticker in your mind, on your car, it doesn't say somebody else or something else. It says Donald Trump. That's why you're excited about this election. That's why you're engaged, why you care about this election. You back Donald Trump. Well, if he runs third party, how much of a threat is that to the RNC? Because as I said, we know what their bumper sticker says. It says, protect the party. Jay Severin. Excelsior. The Blaze Radio Network. on the Blaze Radio Network. And my partners and partners, if you if I can presume to aspire to you're taking something away from this week from the show other than a lot of cheap laughs, I hope. I know it's only Monday, but I'm prepared to roll my dice right now and say the RNC bumper sticker says what? It says R-N-C. That's all you need to know to know what's going on. All you need to know what's going on with anybody in life is their bumper sticker. My bumper sticker says family. It used to say, in the season of the rising sap, when I was a young single man, it used to be the title of a popular record of the time i can't say the words but it was started with a and t a and t a and t that was what my bumper sticker said and that's what every molecule of my body and life was directed at but your bumper stickers change if you're lucky they don't by the way, change a lot or that frequently. So I'm not saying that I'm not boasting. I'm Because you can have a lot of the more bumper stickers you have, probably there's an inverse proportionality to the volume of bumper stickers you have in your life and how happy and fulfilled you are. I now know that the guys that had the fewest bumper stickers are the happiest guys. And I guess women, too. I'm not going to try to speak for women. I've been studying them for many years, and I'm not prepared yet to draw any definitive conclusions. A few, but not many. Um, 
but fellow dudes, if if you the fewer bumper stickers you have, the happier at the end of your life you will probably be. I am prepared to say that. And again, it's only my opinion. What the heck do I know? But I know the RNC's bumper sticker. It says RNC. Mine says no Democrat. It doesn't say Ted Cruz. It says no Democrat. I'm for Ted Cruz, but I don't have a Cruz sticker on my forehead. I have no Democrat tattoo on my forehead. By the way, by the way, the most important uncommitted delegate on earth at this moment, do you know I know that person's name? I know the name and location at this moment of the most important delegate that has to be wooed by Trump or Cruz. I don't know if you care. Do you want to know his name? He lives in Miami. His name is Marco Rubio. And the delegates that this guy, Marco Rubio, has committed to him, if they remain faithful to him, this guy could end up deciding who becomes president, which means the name of your vice president is going to be Marco Rubio. Scott from Boston, thank you for your patience. Hey, Jay, thank you for having me back. How's it going today? It's always a pleasure to speak to somebody from the Commonwealth. Now, as a fellow hockey fan, I don't want to bore our listeners on the south side of the country, but can you believe the Bruins missed the playoffs? Can you can you believe it? I can't. I am irate. And I'll talk. I'll call, not it, only, I'll call another radio show for that. No, 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 no. Don't. No, no. Please don't. Don't. I love it. In fact, I made notes on a um, – here it is. You want to hear this? Yes, sir. My Bruins, I wrote this down. Now, I, you know, mind you, I'm reading it for the first time since I wrote it. And when I wrote it, uh, you know, I'd, I'd had a couple. But this normally makes sense, this stuff. My Bruins lost in ignominious fashion on Saturday mm-hmm. a chance uh, to be where they belong, which is in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Why do I mention this? Because I believe this is no less a byproduct of our general culture than is torquing or twerking, sorry, twerking, and the Trump candidacy. Now, I mean this. I'm not going to read this anymore, but I get now what my thought was, and that is the more they talk about how the Bruins did and they talk about the Claude, the coach, guys, for the rest of you, not Bruins fans, Claude can't get them to play his his style, his system. It, it, it's not that they don't like him or won't play for him. They're younger players, and with exceptions like Bergeron, Krejci, uh, Marchand, you can't get – it's no different than my kids. They they are of another world. It's the laws of cultural physics, I believe, Scott. You cannot get 20-year-old hockey players to do what they did a generation ago. They just – they they won't play a system – they want to score. You know how, like, when the NBA changed? Remember when the NBA changed, you know, and they went from... Did Scott drop? He's back. Scott, you there? 
Yes, I am. I am back, Jay. Thank All right, you. Sorry. With me. You remember when the NBA changed and it went from the Celtics passing the ball five times before they shot it? And it went to um, five I... slamma jamma? You know when the game changed? Hockey has changed. And and I don't say it's all because of this. It's, it's, it's stylistic changes are for many reasons. But I think one of the chief reasons that an old school coach can't get younger players to play an old school system is that they don't have any concept of it. They want to flash and dash. They want to skate. They want to circle at the red line and wait for that breakout pass. And they want to zoom, zoom, bing, bang. They want to score, baby. Right. Yes, I, Jay, I am totally with you. I hate to say totally. That's such a bad word to use. No, no. But I mean, last, last, last statement on that but, metaphor. Defensemen don't okay, want to. Defensemen don't want to stay home anymore and push guys out of the way. Defensemen well, want to carry the puck. Hey, can Guru they, Scott you know, make a prediction? Guru Scott, right? Yeah, so go ahead. No, no, but go, but go and, ahead. And, and you started. We'll you started we'll where you started. So go back to the beginning. Go back to the beginning. Yes. The Bruins are out. Apologies, you tell me. With apologies to my friends around the country who aren't hockey fans, let me yes. just make a quick prediction, as I, you know, Guru Scott will call this. I predict yes, not yes. only is Claude Julian gone, Cam Neely is going to be fired as well as the president of the Bruins. He he's ought not, to be. So he, doesn't, he doesn't impress me at all. He's not. Also, I, I want, would I, you I'm trade? Talk, I'm starting to talk sports, Jay. Let's get back to my point. <laughs> no, no, wait. In a minute. In a minute. Go ahead. It, okay. Would you trade? Would you trade Tuca? That's our goalie, folks. Would you trade who's overrated and overpaid? Would you trade Tuca for a frontline defenseman, an elite defenseman, and and maybe uh, a, a, goal, a goaltending he's, prospect? He's grossly overpaid. He, he's seven million dollars a year, I believe, and which is in the yeah. top ten percent of goalies in the league, and he's not a ten percent performer. I would I would trade him while his stock is still high and get some young talent. Fire Neely. Fire Claude Julian. Let Don Sweeney, the GM, make things happen. For them to miss the playoffs two years in a row is unacceptable. Yep, and okay. you know what? Now, I'll tell you sorry, who else. Sorry, this, you're going to wince Kentucky at this. And, uh, yeah, 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 you're going to wince at this. You know who else I would say? I wouldn't do it like a madman, but I would not trade Marshand. I'm not, cra- I'm not crazy, man. I wouldn't trade Marshand mm-hmm. if we can keep him, and I certainly wouldn't trade a couple of the, uh, a couple of the kids. But talk to me about Bergeron. Or Krejci, because I was calling the sports radio station here in town and telling them two years ago, trade Chara a year too soon rather mm-hmm. than what? Yes, while it's a year still too high late. Before he's, before he's That's right. Yeah. Yes, because you always, if you get anything in a trade for a veteran player, you always must trade him a year too early. The fans are going to hate it. It's going to sting. There's going to be a hole. But if you really are going to get any talent, you have to trade someone a year too early rather than a year too late. And they waited on Chara, and the poor bastard can't skate anymore. He's half crippled, and no one wants him. No one's going to take that contract. Bergeron and Krejci would still be kind of a year too early. But think of who you might – that maybe there's your goaltender and, and Tuca for a front-line defenseman. We've got to – We'll be rebuilding for 10 years if we don't pull the plug on this stuff and get right. Yes, it has to happen now, which is why I predict. Now, I may call you back in a month and say, remember, I told you so. Cam Neely's going to get fired, too. Mark my words. Okay, let's talk some politics, Jay. Uh, You know what? Uh, As a price I have to pay for us having indulged ourselves here, if you would (laughs) hold on so I I can – got to pay back Ty here for – though he's a hockey fan, so it's not not all bad. 
Uh, if you'll hold on, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back and we will do the uh, politics not on ice. Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. The Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network. And my partners, and you guys will be really happy to know that I primed myself for this segment because Ty and I were talking hockey all during, hockey playoffs all during the break, and now we go back to Scott, whose fault it is. It was Scott who did this. I know. I could easily keep talking hockey, but let's move on, right? I could talk hockey all day. I'm going to ask my boss if we could do one hour a week, like Friday night's last hour, you know, can we do hockey? Let me know the hour. I'll be calling in. Uh, okay, so, Jay, this whole political landscape, it's one big stew of scratch my head. So over the weekend, I did a little research that I think you will find interesting. And what I did is I Googled the constitutionality of United States citizens' right to vote. Um, you'll see where I'm going with this in a second. And it, it, came, it comes up, I believe, five or six times, the, the phrase right to vote in the Constitution. The 24th Amendment is the one that got my attention. And you could pull up the 24th Amendment. What it basically says is, the, you, as a U.S. citizen, you have the right to vote without worry of owing taxes. So there's a tax caveat at the end of it, but if that's in the same conversation, that, that was clearly... To combat, that was to combat poll taxes. That was to prevent... Right. Um, it was mostly for racial and other obstacles being placed by some people on an unfettered right to, you know, walk in and vote. Okay, agreed. But would you not also agree that the fact that that's even in there inherently, obviously, that the the founding framers were saying, yes, the United States citizen has the right to vote and be heard. They even mention in the primary in the Constitution. So what I'm saying is this. I don't disagree so far. I don't disagree. Okay. Now, you've educated me on this point. The RNC is a private club. Is that correct? Wait, before you move on, because we're going to leave a lot of people uneducated. I mean, sorry, everyone, but not everyone knows this, especially the younger listeners. We're not a democracy, are we? Well, no, it's not, not sounding like it, not. but wait. No. How, how do you, if someone landed from Mars and said, Scott, under what form of government do you live? Democracy would be an incorrect answer. You reside in a constitutional republic. An acceptable okay. secondary okay. answer would be a representative republic, which gives us a hint as to why one man, one vote is a lie. We don't live in a one man, one vote country. If we did, there'd be direct plurality elections, majority elections for president of the United States. And we don't. We go to vote. We vote for delegates. And they vote, and then the constitutional, uh, I'm sorry, the Electoral College meets, and they are totally unbound by anything. It's a miracle. And you want to see a mess. Wait till this year. We may be looking at something we've never dreamed of before about what the Electoral College does. So we don't get one man, one vote. We, we are a representative republic. We cast a vote for someone who then having won goes and represents us. We don't live referendum to referendum. It's not one man, one vote. Anyway, go ahead. So the Republican National Convention, um, by them broke, excuse me, 
what's the, I mean, please allow me to withdraw Maybe? the phrase. The, the, yes, the RNC, um, right. having a broker convention and they, and, and they nominating one on our behalf, are they not infringing on my right as a U.S. citizen? Are they, not, are they not squashing my 24th Amendment rights? My vote is not being do heard. You belong to, I, do you belong to any private organization of any kind? Most of us do, whether or not we realize it. I don't care if it's a book club or anything else. They're, the Republican National Committee is, and the Republican National Convention, which is a, a show they put on. It's their Woodstock they put on every year. It's all the same thing, but it's the RNC is a private, wholly owned, uh, private club. They can make any rule they want. They can shut down tomorrow. They can spawn off and create other clubs. They could do. They can. They can change their rules. They can have no rules. They can. They can cheat, lie, stab, cheat. It doesn't matter. It's a private club. It, no, they're but not depriving anybody of anything. What about my twenty-fourth amendment rights? What about my rights to vote for the next president? You why, have no why right to join. You have no, Scotty. You have no right to join a private club. The Republican National Committee. The Republican Party is a private club. You join it because you want to. If you don't want to, don't. If they behave in a way that you find deplorable, quit. Walk away. But you have no right to... If they're a private club, it's like a golf club. They do what well, they do want. Would you not agree, though, that we need to elect a president? There has to be some law and order here. So call whatever club you want. Uh, we need to get to the booth and elect a president. Well, no, you go to the ballot. Yes, you are insured of the right to go to the ballot box and cast a vote unfettered for whomever you want. And right now, that, that can you know include two candidates, three, four, five. It's, few of us know that there are generally about eight candidates on the ballot, like the American Vegetable Party. We just don't notice. But your right to vote is unfettered, but your right to control what the Republican National Club does, you know, you have no claim, Scott, nor do I. You and I have no standing, as they say in law. We have no standing as to what the RNC is a private club does. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network.